Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFira. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. And we're here vibing with you because you are vibing with us. Brandon, as we can continue with our three-parter, we are going geographically through the league and talking about all of the major trades that have happened in really just today, but trade deadline day. How are you feeling about this so far as we head to the central? LJ feeling great. Um, let me just say that I'm happy we split this up into parts because it allows us to go a little bit deeper on each trade rather than literally like 20 seconds to, to talk about it. Um, we should have done two shows where one where we, go or really four shows we should do a fourth show after this oh geez we're gonna do east which is already uh all of these will be up relatively same time east central west and then one where we do everything but we only answer it with yes and no oh boy. absolutely no context no explanation on these trades just um, i guess. can go through the east right now uh, Whit Merrifield, no. Bass, yes. <laughs> yes. Marsh, yes. Hosmer, yes. Iglesias, yes. Ruff, yes. No. <laughs> no. Um, well, the central, what I can say is we, um, this one will definitely be shorter. I'd say the central and west shows, parts two and three, will be shorter than that first part. Um, there's yes. just less trades to talk about. <laughs> yes, um, there's less trades to talk about, um, but we'll go more in depth. And I guess because there's one team that's going to take up a while, and I don't want to start with them first. So let's go. Let's talk about this weird trade that the Yankees and Cardinals make, because I have a few theories here that have been somewhat confirmed to me by some people. Um, no. So. We're going to talk about how the Yankees give up Jordan Montgomery in exchange for Harrison Bader. Um, It also includes a player to be named later or cash considerations going to the Yankees, which is conditional based on Harrison Bader's playing time as it pertains to his plantar fasciitis 
that has him sidelined. Basically, LJ, there is two different traits that are agreed upon, at least the way I understand, or the condition, at least. If Harrison Bader plays for the Yankees this year, makes a appearance in a game, there is one pool of players that the Yankees can pick from for their player to be named later. If he doesn't play in a game for the Yankees this year, there is another pool of players that the Yankees and Cardinals have agreed upon that they can pick one from for the player to be named later. Now, why are the Yankees going and trading starting pitching to the Cardinals for what is a glorified better fielding Brett Gardner? Um, Meanwhile, Brett Gardner is still sitting at home waiting for the Yankees to finally call him like he deserves. After you just traded for Frankie Montas. Well, LJ, here's what I can say. Wait, I'm going to stop you right here. I still say the baseline for roster construction conspiracy theories is Hanley Ramirez drug lord. Where does this rank relative to that? No, it's nothing. It's nothing crazy. It's more the. It's more about front office stuff than anything. All right, basically, LJ. Basically, the Yankees were in on Pablo Lopez. Okay. Okay. We were in on Pablo Lopez and other starting pitching, very close to the deadline ending. We were in on Carlos Rodon. We were in on Pablo Lopez. The Yankees made this trade with the Cardinals because they thought that the Pablo Lopez deal was set in stone and done. And so it's like, okay, the Yankees gave up Jordan Montgomery and got Harrison Bader, but we also end up with Frankie Montas and Pablo Lopez as our two new starters. The Yankees do not make this trade unless there was some kind of second deal in the making because you there's no way you look at this trade to break it down, especially with the fact that Bader is hurt right now. The Yankees just traded for another outfielder. The DH spot, once Stanton comes back, is going to be a mess because that means one of Matt Carpenter or depending on if they put Stanton in the outfield, maybe even like a Hicks or a Benintendi is sitting. And then you have to throw Harrison Bader into that conversation once he comes back. Just seems like an absolute log jam in the outfield. And you did all that just to give up one of your most consistent pitchers, uh, one of your homegrown guys that you've had for a long, long time. The optics just do not make sense. And that's why, at least to me, and a lot of other people that are close to the team, there had to have been another deal that fell through. And Cashman obviously is not going to admit any of that. But no, there's, and there's just no way, way. Either way, well, first off, let me say the trade, no. But um, <laughs> no, no. Um, that's my answer on this trade. But what was I going to say? Shoot, 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 shoot. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, Cashman's got egg on his face, no matter what, because we all see through this. 
if he genuinely thought a Pablo Lopez deal was going to happen, which if anything was the thing that was going to happen, it was going to be that based on all reports was that they were talking very close to the deadline. Did you genuinely feel that there was any point in time during this trade deadline process where the Marlins were actually going to give up Pablo Lopez? Because I don't, it just does not make sense yet. It's way too early. They have so much time with him and this roster to make it work that I I can't wrap my head around getting rid of him yet if I'm Miami. Especially with all the, like, this being the pride of your team is having this great starting pitching to give him up just as he's getting into arbitration years seems absolutely ridiculous to me. So, I never saw him leaving. If you really thought that they were going to let him go, Cashman, that's just that's disappointing in, on you as a front office member to go out and make a deal like this, which not only does this put way too much pressure on Domingo Herman, who frankly hasn't been since his great uh, Cy Young hype season, um, what was that, 2019? Who's this? Herman. Oh, yeah, sure. If you want to call it Cy Young hype, the year that he he led the league in wins, I think, or the American League in wins. He led the American League in wins or no, yeah, he, for, a while, for a while. He led um, the MLB in win percentage. That's what it was. And the reason he only led in win percentage is because he ended up getting hurt. And that kind of, that killed the Cy Young hype. But by in June, early July, there was a lot of talk on that regard. Either way, he has, you know, been in and out of the lineup and hasn't been the same guy in the last two years. This puts way too much pressure on him to be really good, not having Montgomery there. And you're 100% right on this whole um, lineup's going to be a mess thing coming back. When I heard that they were talking about Brett Phillips, I'm like, this makes no sense. And Soto also didn't make sense to me, except for the fact it's Juan Soto. And if you can get him, you get him. But they can't afford. That's the one spot that they do not need. They don't need and can't really have another outfielder, especially not a guy that's not a bona fide superstar out there. Because how can you justify not having Matt Carpenter, um, Andrew Benintendi, and Mike Stanton? Yeah, no, those those four, you know, when 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 we're fully healthy, I don't see a lineup where those four aren't in it. So if Bader is just going to be used as this off the bench speed guy that gives you defense, well, then what is Tim LaCastro for? Like, well, the other thing, too, is the fact that this is also you biting this kind of signals that the Yankees are biting the bullet on Aaron Hicks. That that has to mean the Aaron Hicks experiment's over, right? Bader must – Cashman must really believe that Bader will be our starting center fielder opening day next year, and I'm fine with that. But oh, I, I prefer now, it there, but at the same time, if we're looking at the best nine for this team, it has Judge in center. Yeah, well, ooh, yeah, probably, yeah. Well, there's too many guys here. Well, I was thinking thinking it with Phillips and I doubled down now. 
So no on this trade. Real quick, let's talk about it because this is the central part. Let's talk about it from the Cardinals' perspective. They get much, much, much needed pitching help. Two lefties, Jordan Montgomery. We talked about Jose Quintana a bit yesterday. But no help for the for this lineup at all? At all? Lots of Cardinals fans are not happy on Twitter. I can tell you that. There's only so much you can do, though. Like... But they have a lot of prospects to give up, LJ. From being favored to get Juan Soto to getting no hitters, I mean, well, this is what happens when you go too far in on the on a trade like Juan Soto, is you end up losing and you have no prior conversations or at least serious conversations or plans to fall back on. Really, who that's remaining is your fit here. No, I just feel like they could have tried harder to go after other hitters. Because I mean, at least they solved the pitching, which was clearly they uh, a big need. Oh, definitely a big need. I'm just not sure who necessarily wasn't pretty much locked into where they're going. Um, yeah, you know, any, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of somebody on this group here that we've talked about or are going to talk about. It's this was a very pitching heavy trade deadline. Oh yeah. All of these are all of these big ones are pitchers and it was a lot of movement at first base, which isn't a spot that they need. So unless you're telling me that they go out and get Ian Happ, Ian Happ is probably the best Ian Happapa. Ian Happapa, excuse me. So we're gonna Ian talk Happapa. about in a little bit actually. Yeah, is probably the best fit that's remaining for this team. But past that, you know, guys like Christian Walker don't fit in this team. Like there's just no, I don't think the opportunity was there for position players right now. Let's talk about the Minnesota Twins who have been busy over the last few days. And they make three big splashes today. They pick up Tyler Molly from the Reds. Um, they also get Jorge Lopez, star reliever from the Orioles, and Michael Fulmer from the Tigers um, to add to their bullpen. So now, LJ, this is a team that since March have traded for Gary Sanchez, Gio Rochella, Sonny Gray, Tyler Molly, Jorge Lopez, Michael Fulmer, Emilio Pagan. <laughs> it's it's almost their whole team. It's been traded for since March. They picked up Correa as a free agent in March. I mean, they are super busy. They they clearly want to win. And LJ, you said it. Um, I think it, I'm not sure if it was on our phone call this morning or on the show last night. How they're just doing the right things at this point. Um, and no, everyone's sleeping on the Twins. Everyone's so hyped up about the Guardians. Even yourself, you, you can't resist rooting for Terry Francona. You just can't. And everyone's hyped up about Cleveland because they do have much more exciting names to watch, Jose Ramirez and such. But the Twins are sneaky, sneaky good now 
they've here's the trick though they've always been sneaky good they've been flawed and i don't think they've become that much less flawed because you know tyler molly is going to have better numbers in minnesota than he did in cincinnati but past that i still think this starting rotation is really really weak but if you can keep if this team can somehow find a way to subvert expectations and get into this postseason as relative unknowns they can make quite a bit of noise they can make a good amount of noise here and get themselves late into games and let this bullpen take over which is again as you said much improved the biggest asset that this team has right now is the fact that no one's watching them no one's caring about them that doesn't just extend when when the media does this it proves more often than not that that is something that is real in the actual sphere of the game as well. So, you know, I look at this and I see, all right, if Minnesota is getting no coverage, no hype, then a lot of other people are probably overlooking them too. All of a sudden you get into a situation where you are, yeah, this, these teams think, oh, we can bowl right over you. The Yankees walk in thinking this is the same Minnesota team that they've beat up in the wild card like a million years in a row. And it's just an absolute bloodbath. It's an absolute slaughter because they are, they're on their heels and Minnesota is able to push right through them with a little bit of luck. Moves like this, bringing in guys like Tyler Molly, bringing in Jorge Lopez, guys that weren't the big talk of the deadline – even guys like guys who haven't necessarily had their best seasons in the past couple of years, like the Gary Sanchez, Joe Rochello thing. Those are all quiet enough that you're still adding value without getting people to actually pay attention to the value added. Like if this team went out and added Wilson Contreras, that hurts their cause in the way that they're going about things. Like that hurts their mental aspect quite a bit, even if he is the better player. And should be noted that the White Sox have risen from the dead. According to Fangraphs, they have the best chance to win the NL Central as they are two games back from the Twins. Um, And AL Central is definitely heating up in a division that we should be watching um, on a day-to-day basis from now on. But let's move on from Minnesota. Let's talk about the Brewers over in the NL Central. And I put Trevor Rosenthal on here because that is who the Brewers trade for. Um, And it's not even that big of a move because Rosenthal is hurt. It's more of the fact that the Brewers didn't do anything other than make that Josh Hader trade. Um, Brewers fans on Twitter, not happy. So we have Cardinals and Brewers fans both in the midst of this division race, once again, for the second straight year, both teams not happy that they didn't make any moves. Um, And this is a Brewers team that, is it bad for me to say that they're not excellent at anything? Like last year, they clearly had a really strong um, pitching staff. And I'm not saying that they don't this year because Corbin Burns has been great. They're getting Freddie Peralta back. Brandon Woodruff's been great. 
Um, but now you look at the bullpen and sure, I like Devin Williams. I like Taylor Rogers, Brad Boxberger, but then you look at like their team stats, 17th best ERA for relief pitchers, you know, uh, hits per nine. They're not, they're not in the top 10 for relievers home runs per nine. They're not even in the top 20, um, starting pitchers just barely cracked the top 10 in ERA. Sure. The strikeouts are there and this is a pitching staff that has nasty stuff and that shows it, but just feel like they aren't what they were last year. I'm not nearly as confident as I was. And that might be just bad thinking by me, but after seeing what happened to them in the playoffs last year, them get dismantled, not making a move might come back to hurt them. To be honest, I see no difference between this team last year and this team this year. That isn't a good thing, but it's better than it's. I view them, I think, a little better than you do, just because the talent and the execution feels like it's all the same. Just circumstances change just slightly and skew those numbers. I mean, this bullpen is the 17th in bullpen ERA. A lot of that comes from the pure amount of guys that they've had in the bullpen this year. Like, not all of these guys that they've had pitch are good or were expected to be good. But at the end of the day, you know, Hader was still, first off, Hader's blow-ups outings are still counted in that ERA. Second. It barely matters, LJ. Think about how many cumulative innings the bullpen throws in a single year. Not as many for Milwaukee as most. Um, and it, it, it mattered a lot to their innings leader in uh, – Josh Hader's ERA, but either way, looking past that, Hader didn't have the good ERA, but Devin Williams still at a 159. They bring in Matt Bush, who's a, a sub three. Taylor Rogers is a 435, but he's better than that. He's able to get 28 saves in San Diego. You've got some real guys here, and Atlanta last year kind of showed us if you have that super bullpen and that super bullpen is working, you only need like four or five guys over the course of a series. And as long as everybody, as long as they're hot and they're like, right. Or at least as long as they're not cold, you're going to be able to go pretty far by just running the same guys out there a bunch on basically working them into the ground is what Atlanta did. And it worked for them. So if we look at the top four or five guys in this bullpen, they're a lot better than you think. And then you look at the rotation. Corbin Burns is exactly the same. Brandon Woodruff, since May, if you look at, I'm sure if you look at those numbers, that split, he is going to look even better than he already does because he just had such a tough start to the season. And you are trying to develop guys like Eric Clower and Aaron Ashby still. So those things kind of have to take a little time, especially Ashby who, you know, reasonably you've got four lockdown stud pitchers in this rotation going forward. So I have no concerns there. I don't know. You're right. They should have picked up another offensive weapon here because it's sorely been needed. It's been needed from the very beginning. Andrew McCutcheon shouldn't be a designated hitter. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And, you know, you made, you made some moves in the right direction this offseason and you still have some guys that have really bumped back up. I mean, I'd say 
Yelich has been fine. Willie Thomas has been great this year again. So you've got the starting pieces. You just need one or two more bats, I think, to really turn that corner and be a true World Series contender. But other than that, I, I just I feel like they've stayed stagnant, which doesn't work for baseball or any sport. Yeah, they've stayed stagnant. And when you stay stagnant after you lose in the NLDS, um, it's not good. And now with the new playoff format, like, great, you win the NL Central, and now you're playing whoever ends up losing the NL East between the Mets and the Braves. Um, you're not winning that series. I'm sorry. You're just not. Um if you want to run back Braves and Brewers again in the NLDS, please do it because this Braves team this year um, is not going to lose to this to this Brewers team. the The offenses are so far apart; it, it's not even funny. Um, so, with that, with that being said, this is also the uh, Mil- Milwaukee offense that scored the seventh most runs in baseball. That's kind of the lead that we've been dropping here sure in the Atlanta offense that scored the fourth most yes but you know they have made the strides on the uh offensive side that aren't necessarily being seen with the flashy name they just need the flashy name to go with those numbers no that's a great way to put it no you're right um but let's wrap up the central talk with the Chicago Cubs choosing to not trade Wilson Contreras or Ian Happ. Um, I guess Contreras was the guy that we thought was more likely to get traded since he is a free agent after this year. However, LJ Cubs will, will um, offer him a qualifying offer. He'll decline it. He'll go sign with someone else as a free agent and the Cubs get a draft pick out of it. Is it really worth that? Is is trading him for a prospect worse than getting that draft pick or no? And just letting him finish out the time. I'd rather have the prospect than the draft pick. So you'd rather just trade him. See, here's my thing real quick. I just feel like if when you incorporate the human aspect of it it's not like Contreras wants out right he doesn't want to leave the Cubs he's already given your franchise a lot you're not going anywhere this year he's going to get his bag after this year you know I kind of agree with them why not just let him stick it out for the rest of the season if you really didn't think you could get anything of value you still have a chance to re-sign him at least um and if not, you get a draft pick. The issue is I doubt that they couldn't get anything of value, or at least the way I value the qualifying offer picks. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at a guy, as far as I'm concerned, if you can get a top 150 guy on your board in terms of minor leaguers, then you're kind of making that back. Because you figure, you know, prospects, That's I give, I give a prospect like, you know, five years to get up at the latest. So five years, 30 teams to get into the competitive balance areas and all of, the, all of those areas where the qualifying offers would get put into, that's about 150 prospects. So if you can get better than your slot, you do it. And you also, with the benefit of going for a prospect rather than a draft pick, is the fact that you've ha- you have an extra couple of years worth of data and development 
already done for you before you get into it. It's way less of a guess trading for a prospect than it is drafting somebody. And you don't have to pay the signing bonus. All right. Well, that's Wilson Contreras. Ian Happ, who is a free agent after next season, he's 28 years old. Uh, uh, LJ, the Cubs must see him in their future, right? Like, what's 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 good here? No. Um, offseason trade? Ian Happapo will probably be the first guy to go this offseason, is the way I feel about Ian Happapo. Um, basically, the way I, I read this, and it's partially the reason that we didn't see a ton of movement on the position player side, as we talked about earlier. This Juan Soto deal we're going to talk about in the West section, of course, was massive. You know, they go out and they get Josh Bell, they get Fernando, or they get Juan Soto to pair with Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. They gave up a lot for that. That kind of does, even if even if teams understand that this guy is worlds better than anything else that's out on the market, it still inflates the market for position players. So all these a team like Chicago will think that they can get this much. Other teams aren't willing to buy on position players at all because they know the whole market is inflated. And it just kind of creates a whole mess for everyone involved. When things are a little more calm and particularly teams are looking to go add guys without having to spend money in free agency, because we all know that no MLB teams want to spend in free agency anymore. Ian Hapapo will look very good to a lot of teams with his versatility and his overall level of play. So I just, I just see an easier path towards a fair market value for both sides once you get away from the Juan Soto deal. Well, um, I don't think I have anything else for the Central. Um, We're all good, I think. That's going to wrap up part two. We will see you in part three where we're going to be breaking down the Juan Soto deal, all the deals the Padres have made, and um, some other stuff in the West. So, yeah, we'll see you. See you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Winner.